Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the last. Hello and welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Network. I'm your host, Carter Rodriguez. Justin Rowan's away for the day, so we've got a fake Boston Celtics fan and a general NBA enthusiast, Michael Kruiser, here uh, filling in. How's it going, Mike? Yeah, that's uh, absolutely accurate. I'm, I'm about as fake as it comes when it comes to being a Celtics fan. More fake Celtics fan, you or n- new agnostic Zach Lowe? Uh I feel like because Zach Lowe actually has a history with it that he can he can put it to bed and, and I'll I'll claim myself being a circa two thousand eight Boston Celtics fan that uh that's about as big as it comes. So just if you're wondering just off the bat whether to respect Mike, you don't have to. He's a bandwagon loser. Um Cavaliers wrecked the Celtics last night in a way that I don't think a lot of people thought it was coming, uh, just given the fact that Boston, you know, they have been more competitive this season. I thought I thought they proved something about themselves in the first couple of rounds, uh, the Bulls series notwithstanding, I guess. But, you know, like they, they proved something in that Wizards series. They kind of proved that they were a little bit more built for the postseason than we thought they were, and or to some extent they did, and it didn't really even look competitive. No, I think uh, it was in the back of my mind. That coming into the game, you kind of understand that once the ball's tipped, anything can happen, right? So you're coming in, and you're like, okay, this doesn't look great. <laughs> <laughs> we just played, it's going to be exhausted. The Cavs have had so much time to repair, so much rest. Let's see if we can just get that, uh, you know, that little bit of variance from some really great three point shooting and the home court and then being jazzed. And, but at the same time, it's like, this could go really badly. And it did. <laughs> well, it was crazy because, like, uh, in our preview podcast, Justin and I were talking about, like, the things that, like, kind of have to go well for Boston. Like, they were going to have to keep shooting the cover off the ball. They started two for 16. <laughs> They're going to have to keep Tristan off the offensive glass. He had six offensive boards within the first, like, 20 minutes. Uh, they they were going to have to force turnovers. The Cavs had eight turnovers. Yeah. 7% turnover percent. Uh, it's, you know, when they started off and they were just, Breaking open threes and Isaiah's shots are short and he's in the lane and there's just no room to operate. And then on the flip side, 
LeBron comes down the court and he's faced with Kelly Olynyk or Al Horford on a switch, and it's just kind of embarrassing at that point. It's like, okay, let's. At what point can we go full Popovich and just sit everyone? Gerald Green shoot twenty times. That's fine. Like, let's move on. That it was. It was in the first. You know, kind of similar to the Warriors game too. It kind of felt like in the first ten minutes or so. It's like, all right, my hope that this could somehow be competitive is not going to happen in this game, but it doesn't mean that, that it can't happen in, in a future game. It's just pack it in because this one's not happening. The Cavs went back to that hard trapping, hard blitzing pick and roll strategy that they used in the second round. And to some extent on, in the first round, whatever George caught it, Paul George caught it off coming off a screen. And Isaiah Thomas went seven for 19, 17 points had 10 assists, basically playing, you know, and just leaking out to the four on three. Uh, had four turnovers. Do you think he's going to play? Do you think this is just kind of what they're going to do and he's just going to have a hard time with it? Or do you think it was a, a function of his fatigue and, you know, just lacking some shot making that he normally has? Yeah, I definitely think the shot making will be, will be better. Will he be, will he have a dominant game like he did, you know, in, in the Wizards series, like previously? Like, I, I don't, I don't think that he's probably not set up to do that, especially with the athleticism that they have on the wings. Just you even saw when he tried to size up LeBron and drive him and drive on him, and he went and like he didn't even shoot it. Like he he threw it up in the air, and it looked like live angle that LeBron blocked it, but he didn't even touch it. Like he just yeah. didn't, he just like functionally legally it might have been a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like I mean I was I was like what is LeBron complaining about? He blocked that shot. That is fine. That Isaiah caught it, and then you saw the replay angle where he like. Tosses it gently in the air two feet because he doesn't want oh, to get nope, embarrassed. Nope, fuck it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope, nope, so, not doing it, not doing so, it. So, you know, that even if he's, you know, more rested, which is he going to be after another 38 minutes? Yeah, like, I mean, that's the problem with the fact with the way the TV schedule worked out, too, is it's like these guys don't have a huge break coming, I don't think, in the schedule, do they? Uh, no, I mean, we can, we can pull up the schedules we're talking right now, but I, I think... It's you it's know. not like the the I guess what I'm saying is it's not like the Warriors and Spurs where because they started or before the East Finals they had like five days off yeah it's every other day yeah so that's this entire so uh, series there's no there's it's not as you know we can say like okay he was tired and and if he was less tired would he make some of those shots and you saw some of those pull up threes and things that just hit front iron it's like that's legs I mean that's that is what that looks like but that's also what happens when you have one offensive creator for the entirety of the playoffs yeah. Like, they, I mean, like, sure, like, it's not quite like Thunder level where you don't even have secondary creators on the floor, mm -hmm. but, like, every action involves him when he's on the floor. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's, I don't know how else, and like you're saying, even that hard trap, like, you, you, what the Wizards did in, in Game 7, it, it involved him creating and finding Kelly Olenek in space, and mm -hmm. amazingly, Kelly Olenek actually converted, which, I, I mean, that brings it a little bit to how, I don't know... If he if he comes in and feels a little bit more prepared, a little bit more rested, can can he attack that and can he find an Al Horford or and can we find magic? I mean, really, I think what it comes down to, if we're looking forward at all, is hidden threes. Like you know, yeah. it's 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 as simple as that. Would the game be different if they made more of their first eleven, going one for eleven, and Isaiah hit that shot, going into half to make it two for twelve, like that? Yeah, but I mean, doesn't it have to bother them that the Cavs also shot terribly from three? I mean, yeah. Love went six for nine. But James went one for six. Irving went zero for three. Jr. zero for one. Corver one for six. 
I don't know. I just still managed a 127 offensive rating. Because <laughs> <laughs> the layups were there. I mean, that was Yeah, the, the layups thing. were it's, wide open. But you, but you almost, it does, and I, I think we've talked about this before, but it does kind of become Grinnell-style basketball where you're, you kind of need to go two for three. Like, in what world is there a defense that the Celtics can put out there that prevents LeBron having good looks at the basket? Like, I don't think there is one. Not this year, you know. Now, that's the, I think that's what I just keep thinking about is like the problem with this Celtics roster is it doesn't force you to do anything. It doesn't. Like, oh, they shifted down and now Crowder's playing power forward. Well, Love can guard Jay Crowder. Yeah. yeah, yeah for can. all his growth, he can still guard Jay Crowder. And then you're now you're getting murdered on the boards even more. And you don't have your main guy to throw at LeBron anymore. <laughs> No, you saw even on the flip side when they were like when the Cavs kind of had a smaller lineup out there and the the Celtics stayed a little bigger. It's like LeBron was guarding Kelly Olynyk, and it was like, what is going on? How is this? How? What's the answer to that? Like, there's it's not like Kelly Olynyk's going to make LeBron pay in the post or no. anything like that. So the, he's just like, worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was thinking about it about what okay, what would the Celtics need? And they do if they had like a KG in his prime. Like you, if you had <laughs> that, that would help <laughs> that athletic, that athletic, or not even prime, but post prime, like Celtics, yeah. KG, like that athletic big man that if they were going to run these pick and rolls could could come out hard and at least body up in in some way, shape, or form. Like right now, you saw Horford and uh, Horford and Olenek both like backpedal in the lane. It's like where where are you going to go? Like what? And no one's behind you to help. Like there's no one coming across the lane that that's going to contest and make it difficult. I mean, they had the great poor Isaiah Thomas trying to contest, getting, getting <laughs> stiff armed in midair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the problem. Is like there's no help coming. They they're. I mean, and it's funny. They have a decent sized front line when they're starting Amir Johnson, mm-hmm. and you know Kelly Olynyk is ostensibly like six ten. But, like, they're just really small at the perimeter. Yeah. And even those guys, they're not athletic. Like, you know, it's one thing to be 6'10". Yeah. Or, and it's another thing to be able to... It's another like thing to Tristan, be like Tristan Thompson. Exactly. Like, Tristan Thompson's, like, quick jump. Like, his ability... Like, you saw in every every offensive rebound that had some air under it, the Cavs were contesting. Like, they were jumping out, tapping it out, and it might end up in a, another Cavs player's hands versus... You know, on the other end, it's like they can just jump higher than the Celtics. So when the ball's in the air, they're going to go get it. And then that's, you know, so it's, I don't see how this roster being constructed is all variants. And, and yeah. it, it's all about. Yeah, it, it will look better out. if Avery Bradley hits some threes and the yeah. Cavs stay cold. 100%. And that's like, you know, you look at Avery 2 for 8, Isaiah 2 for 7. I mean, Jay Crowder shooting great is. Jay Crowder is like wild. Like, he's like hitting the point, like, because he was like 40% this year, right? From mm-hmm. three. In and the neighborhood. And it's like, he's kind of getting into that neighborhood where it's like, I just think it's going in. Like, yeah. he is. Like, this team has more shooting than it has in the past, even if the personnel is mostly the same. Like, Horford can hit. Crowder's turned into a good shooter. Bradley's turned into a good shooter. But it's just like, it just feels like guys you're okay leaving still. Yeah, I don't think, even Jay, like you said, like, I mean, okay, he was four for six. He did shoot 39.8 on the season. Avery Bradley shot 39%, uh, you know, hit two out of five three point attempts. But it's, you know, I, you, like you said, when Avery catches on the wing, it's not like it's a Clay Thompson situation. They're no. like, oh, 
You're not like, yeah. shit, 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 shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like scrambling so out. So back to your point about like, who's the offensive creator? Like that affects the gravity on the floor. Like having people out there that it's like that you're that primary defender feels like I can't go more than three steps like away from this guy or we're going to give up a really high percentage shot. And that's not, not the case now. Yeah. I, I always like the players where gravity doesn't match reality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like they, they're good shooters, but it doesn't matter because they're not actually being guarded that closely and they're not so good at shooting that yeah. they'll murder you. Oh, and like I think, like I think someone to like Darrell Arthur is one of those guys. Yeah. Like hits like threes at a really good percentage, but just no one guards him. Yeah. And he doesn't take enough to so, make it work. And that's a, and so his 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 three point, you know, his five three pointers game look different than Clay's five mm-hmm. three pointers. And then they're they're still shooting the same percentage because it's more contested for a for a better shooter. And that causes a, a better opportunity. So what so when Isaiah drives, like, yeah, he'll have a kick out opportunity, but he also doesn't have he doesn't have the high percentage shot in the lane either because because guys are there to guard him. So in terms of like adjustments for game two, one thing I thought was interesting that I want to bring up that I saw people talk about was I want to hear your perspective. The love plus bench lineups that that was surprising that they played two minutes in the regular season and then they roll <laughs> out they roll out in like the second quarter and they're just murdering the is, Celtics. Is there any indicator that the Cavs aren't worried about the Celtics? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Experimenting they're, they're with just their like, lineups. Ah, Cavs had a quiet postseason. <laughs> Let's see if we can get him some touches. <laughs> it's fine. It's game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, but why not try some stuff out in the meantime? I don't know. It's like it's. It just feels like they have it, like all of the stuff you were worried about just reared its ugly head. Like mm-hmm. the Cavs are a lot switchier than the Wizards, so even when the blitz didn't happen and they just had to pass it off, LeBron to takes work. care of Thomas fine. Yeah. Tristan takes care of Thomas fine, and you'll notice that Channing Frye was not in the rotation in this one. Oh, that's they, interesting. They had Richard Jefferson out there, and my theory is that. I think that they know Channing's not going to play much against the Warriors. And RJ has been out of the rotation in the playoffs thus far. And I think that they're getting him up to speed. Another, like, yeah. not a great look for the Celtics. Yeah, because you got to think it's not as if Shannon Fry is a bad matchup in this series. Like, it's not no. like he couldn't be out there against he, the Kelly Olenek or yeah, something. He would be completely fine against them in the series. But you do stay a lot switchier and, like, be able to take a lot, out a lot of those actions. Um, with regards to Thomas on the defensive end, they also did everything we thought they were going to do. Yeah. I mean, the plays, especially in the third quarter, when Corver he was hiding on Corver and they just used Corver as the screener for LeBron, there's, yeah. it's an easy shot every time. I don't know what you do with that. That's back, that's back to where, okay, so who is that? Do they, if they have that athletic, um, you know, defensive four, you know, I mentioned KG, but obviously Draymond would be that guy. Like, you do that kind of, they, they used to, uh, Warriors did that where, they would they would run this they would try to run a screen roll with Steph's man and in, in, in the space uh, Draymond would run up and switch with Steph real quick so Draymond would be the guy that would step up onto LeBron and that and like there's no other player yeah, ostensibly it would happen. be Al Horford like Al Horford's a good defensive player it's just not in space against yeah. a guy like LeBron yeah I mean work. yeah it just it just feels like that's a situation where they they're just gonna get a free runway every time or if they Jam LeBron on the action. Wait for, uh, wait for LeBron's man to recover. Mm-hmm. Then you slip it. Yeah. And Corver Jr. gets a wide open three. And Corver had a couple really good looks that he just missed off of those actions, or LeBron got 
a free runway with a four on three. Yeah, I mean that's and back to like, like LeBron on a four on three with this team is so unfair. I know there's so many cross court to the corner, the weak side corner, bounce passes in the lane. Yeah, that his be- he had a little skip pass to Corver in the corner that was immediately followed by Marcus Smart's putback dunk. And the dunk was so amazing. I was like, wait a minute, guys. Hold on. <laughs> that skip was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Speaking of dunks, I, my, I think my favorite moment of the game as a Celtics fan was Avery going at LeBron. Oh, yeah. LeBron, LeBron in perfect verticality getting called for a foul. Yeah. But I still loved it. Like, Avery Bradley just not afraid. Like, all right, this is my chance. Like, I'm going to try and yam on this dude. I know Marcus Smart is, like, the resident cult hero right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll never understand it. <laughs> but I don't see how that's not Avery Bradley. That dude's amazing. Like, look at the game Kyrie had. Like, Kyrie was just like, and I think part of it was due to necessity. Because, or not necessity, I guess. Yeah. Like, they didn't need him. Mm-hmm. Because the other matchups were so tasty across the board. But Kyrie went 4 of 11, 11 points. Avery Bradley puts up 21 points on 16 shots. And, like, is just so good defensively. Yeah, and he, I mean, and like we said, he improved so much as a three-point shooter that at least he's hitting almost 40%. I, it's, he's just so boring. I don't <laughs> think he's boring. I think he's amazing. As a basketball player, love him. Like, I guess Marcus Smart flopping around the court. Yeah. I, I swear, if when he had, when he had his little instigation uh, thing with Tom, with Tristan, and it was great because I watched him set the whole thing up. Like, he literally, he was boxing him out, and then as Thompson was trying to just get up the floor, he was, like, hooking his, hooking him around, like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're making, and I could tell it was, like, a direct response, like, I'm tired of your bullshit, Tristan, because, like, <laughs> I mean, like, nobody gets away with more contact going for offensive boards than Tristan yeah. Thompson. I mean, he's straight up swim moves, dudes. Which is <laughs> one of my favorite moves, too, so I understand it. It's, uh, oh, yeah, I've gotten a few sharp elbows. <laughs> But it's, you know, it, it is about, like, it's straight up, like, if Avery Bradley had a facial expression, I feel like he could take that. But literally, yeah, it's, Marcus Smart. That's causes, a big part of it. Yeah. He's, he's just stone-faced. Yeah, whole time. Whereas Marcus Smart is, like, stink face. Oh, yeah. Giving yeah. people looks. And he, a Marcus Smart causes embarrassment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Marcus Smart's, like, equally, like, yeah, like, get him, like, fire. Like, that's what you want. Like, that sort of passion. And then at the same time, when he flops and does stuff that it's, like, well, shit, man. Like, <laughs> I, I can't really go to people and be like, no, like, he plays the right way when, like, you, like, and that was when he flopped against Ke- Kevin Love. I shouted at the screen, like, that's what happens when you do it all season. Like, you might have gotten that call if you yeah. saved the flop for that moment. But literally, someone could go through your chest and if, because you, it, it happened all year. Well, I think it was, yeah, the, yeah. Okay, it was the left play. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't call him. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, a guard gets that charge call. Yes, nine out of ten times. But because it's Marcus Smart, it's like all season. You can you can YouTube Marcus Smart flops and see like a ten minute reel of this whole season. That it's, it's such like, an interesting dynamic for like who someone who is like. I think I thought like most floppers are not also bulldogs. Yeah, no, it's true because there's like, a certain like self respect. Yeah, like right? oh yeah, like Pat Bev is not flopping around. Like yeah. he might like take some hits and like sell them, but like mm-hmm. he's not. Making up contact. Well, that's back. Like back. I think why people love Marcus Smart because he's a showman. <laughs> yeah, he's just. Yeah, no matter what, like in, in a twenty-point blowout, he made the game interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in in good and bad ways and for like two my, minutes. My favorite sort of like montage uh, the when they melted down the instigation stuff where uh, when Marcus stepped up on Tristan and it's optically what Tristan was actually doing is like, look, man, like. 
you're trying to do something and I'm not going to go for yeah, it. He gave him a little pat on the back. Yeah. But optically, it looked like like Tristan was like, all right, man, cool, cool. Like, we're cool. And then when Isaiah stepped to Thompson, like, Thompson steps right up on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you want to mess with Isaiah, but and not that, Marcus. But... And, then, and then Kyrie just walks up with a scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, if you got Kyrie talking shit, like, Kyrie is, like, the most chill dude in the world. Like, yeah. So clearly, they were annoying them at that point. I mean, I think I would. I think my your response to Kyrie has to be like, "The world is round." Yeah, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> but no, I think. I mean, and I, you know, I don't sound like a very disappointed Celtics fan in this podcast because it's kind of like, what are you? Like, what are you supposed? To, we weren't coming into this series thinking like it's like okay, let's hope we have a shot. And every game that you lose like that, it's kind of like okay, that that's always going to be something that was on the table. So let's go back and hopefully hit fifty percent of our threes in game two. And like that's that's kind of what it has to be game to game. And that's one I kind of brought it up a little bit before, but but in the it doesn't. So you're saying the margin doesn't actually matter because no. it could happen anyway. Yeah, it's gonna. It's not like you. It's not like we. You came in thinking like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna play them tough and and like you know it's gonna it's gonna go down to like a razor's edge. Like like you said, if it had been, to go right, if it had been a super close game, just because the. Celtics hit three more shots. It doesn't change your... No, I, if anything, that would be worse because it's like, okay, we were that much closer to... To having the variance tip our way. Exactly. They're like, if one more of those shots went in, now suddenly, like, that. that's like, I'd rather... like if you. I was thinking about that with, in going back to game one of Spurs-Warriors, mm-hmm. because obviously I think the Warriors won by two, three? Three. Yeah. And I just thought about that inbound where David Lee just threw it straight to Steph Curry yeah, for yeah, a wide right. open three. Yeah, you can I was like, oh. Not, oh. That it, you know, not that it's actually statistically different, but you can still yeah. point. You can feel. It's a field thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Before we kind of start spinning things forward, we have to talk about Al Horford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how horrible he has looked against the Cleveland Cavaliers and specifically Tristan Thompson for the last three seasons. I mean, I just don't know... He's not built, and, and Tristan is is a good uh, being an athletic four. But then even like I just think a LeBron led team with athletes, which you guys do have at some positions. I mean, not every player is is a spirit. But even like the fact that the two options are like Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, like that's not good for Horford. Like that, I don't know how he where he lands in in affecting the game because if you're giving up threes to if you're giving up threes to Love. Horford's while he can shoot, he's a more effective mid post player. So that that math is wrong. And then on the other end, if it's Tristan, yeah, okay, maybe it's two for two, but Tristan's creating more offensive opportunities by by beating him on the offensive glass. So it's like we're paying this guy twenty seven million, twenty eight million, thirty million Oof. for the next three seasons until oh. he's thirty two years old. And it's like, how does he help? And it doesn't matter how good he is against everyone else, yeah, which yeah. sucks. Like the only one it matters against is the Cavs. Like they could be here, they could be here without Horford. Yeah. Like it's not like a huge leap no, to no. say that they could have gotten here what, without Horford. But what he, percent of what yeah. percent of what Al Horford gave you are you getting from the other players that are already on the roster? Like seventy five percent. Yeah. I mean, and that money channeled towards, you know. Uh, you know, more more size on the wing or a better athlete or something like that would, would provide more to this team. It, it's funny that functionally this is actually a worse matchup for Horford than it was in Atlanta. Because at least in Atlanta they could just they had to throw Tristan on Millsap. And yeah. 
and he couldn't take advantage of love in that, those series. Although I do think Horford is, uh, there's definitely a decline in his game. Like he's a smart player, and you know he he has a high basketball IQ, which which ages really well. But he's also not the same. He was a, he was more of a force. Yeah, like, like he looks small. Like he doesn't look imposing. And I think when you go back to those, he looks crafty. Teams. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like the YMCA guy that that knows more than you. But I don't see you know. What do you mean? What he end up doing last night specifically? Four for 11, one for three from deep, played 37 minutes. Four offensive rebounds, great. Like, that's good. Like, six assists. Again, I, like, he, he, can, he can be, he can pass well and he can do some good things. But defensively, I think, like, right here looking at basketball reference box score, his uh, defensive rating was 128 when he's on the court. And it's like, I don't, I mean, not that it was, not that it, the whole game it was 127, but he's, He's supposed to be a defender along with that offensive initiation, and, and I don't see how he defends anyone. No. Yeah, it just go, it goes back to the reality that, like, and this is why Kevin Love's metrics will always be better than people think they would be or should be. Because, mm. like, a huge part of possessions are ending them. Yeah. He, he had four defensive rebounds. Yeah. Playing as the only big most of the, for much of the time. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown led the team with five defensive boards. I mean, you look at, just looking at, like, offensive rating, Tristan Thompson's was 172. His, oh my his offensive rebounding percentage was 21.7. Um, Actually, via NBA.com, it was 26.1. So, okay, I think, I, so it, it might even be higher. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, BB Ref and NBA.com have different hmm. uh, formulas for some of this stuff, but. But still, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You don't, I, so I don't see how, and, you know, He's not going to force fouls against against Tristan. I don't think like they're going they're going to defend him pretty Tristan well. Tristan doesn't foul, um, so it's it, it's just not uh, you know two free throws. I mean the whole game their free throw percentage was free throws per you know compared to field goal attempts is eleven percent. Like it's it's not he's not going to help in the ways you need him to help, and he's going to take up thirty you know close to thirty percent, twenty three percent of of the cap. With it not rising in, in a significant way, like obviously they still have cap room, they still have opportunity. The assets that they have, it's it's not that it's it's not that something can't happen. I just think this particular it's, swing is a is a miss. Yeah, I, he's yeah, it's problematic that he is eating up this much space. Yeah, that could otherwise be going towards max players, and I think we should spin this for. Uh, well, first off, how many games do you think the Celtics end up winning in this series? It's it's hard to say. It goes more than five, like you know. And this game too is super important. Like that's, I think it's not as if they couldn't hit a lot of threes in, in any one of the next three games. Yeah, it's like I, if you per, hypothetically bet on a Cavs sweep. Yeah, game two would be the best hedge yeah, game, yeah, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I would hypothetically. Say hypothetically, if we're speaking in a world where that had happened, where some degenerate <laughs> yeah, yeah. would have parlayed a Warriors and Cavs sweep. Yeah, wow, well, that person has got to be feeling pretty decent. Ah, um, uh, he hypothetically does. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, game two would be, it's at home. Um, you know, you got to think there's a certain, like, zigzag potential there where where the Cavs are feeling great and the Warriors, or the Warriors, uh, the Celtics are, are you know, particularly focused and the, the stats just kind of, the ball bounces their way a little bit more than it did the previous game. But, I, you know, but how, again, like, it's got to be offensively. Like they've they've got to score. It's shootouts. I agree. I don't 100%. think so. I don't think they win any beatdown. No, 
slugfest. Because if you slow it down, like if you're slowing it down in terms of like a half court or each possession matters, the Cavs are going to be more efficient because you're going to have awesome layups. Like what LeBron was doing, those shots weren't super easy. That reverse there. layup he made in the first quarter yeah. where he was like swooping in from right to left and then like does like a cradle rock and then like a like put some English on it on the reverse was ridiculous. The spins that he was putting, I mean, overall, like he just would leap and then he's in air, he's in air space all on his own. Like there's yeah. no one around him, so he can just sort of like you know do whatever, that. yeah, whatever angle he wants yeah. to spin on, spin the ball. He, he can, can do put that it up. mental physics. He's got a moment to look at it and like you know let his subconscious make those calculations and then spin it off the glass. We feel like we're pitching a LeBron ad right now. <laughs> yeah. Like like LeBron jumps, freeze frame, inner monologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Record scratch. <laughs> so you're probably wondering how I got up here. Yeah, exactly. And what I'm going to do next. But it's it's true. I mean, you just, you could. I'm sure you could just put together a highlight compilation of, of him in the air. You know, he leaps from just outside the circle, and and there's no hands there. And obviously, again, the most famous being Isaiah's face right in his crotch. But, like, it's – and he did miss that layup, by the way. That one On a foul. Out. Got fouled. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, come on. It was the same shot, effectively, as the ones that he yeah. had earlier. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think that's a really interesting point is, like, I remember I was listening to a podcast once, and they were talking about how we're really interested in, like, shooting gravity. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking about DeAndre Jordan and how he has vertical gravity. Yeah. Like, he pulls people in to try to avoid him getting up in that yeah. space right above the rim. And, like... Like LeBron had vertical gravity, I'm like like no one could even get into his. I don't think there's atmosphere. I don't know if there's an adjustment. Like who is it that's coming across that's that's coming over early to prevent that jump? Like I yeah. guess you have to get bodies in front of him around the free throw line, so he's not he's not getting into the lane where he can Jay, elevate. Jay Crowder looks like a better perimeter defender than he is. I feel like he's almost better against in that small ball role defensively, like kind of that Draymond help defense, you know. Big guys think they can post up on him well. But, like, LeBron, like, I think if you're the Celtics... talking about LeBron, though, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's like... He's, but I'm just saying, like, the Celtics, I think, should be concerned that LeBron didn't even really need a pick to get yeah. past them. No, that he... Any like, LeBron... Of, any matchup, they could they could pretty much clear out. And if anything, they would screen just because it's that much easier if it's Horford or Linux. But other than that, it's like, yeah, you can just size up. He looked fast in that game. Like... I remember, I think it was Nate Duncan who famously raised the ire of Cavs Twitter by saying LeBron doesn't blow by people anymore. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he's, like, relatively easy. Like, even if they were kind of in front of him, they would do that thing where they give him enough of a runway to, for him to bump them on the way to the rim, and they just go flying. And well, he just it's, he did that to Olenek on the play where he was clowning him. He just yeah. kind of gave him a little little bump on the way and then just bloop. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because it's like, okay, he's, he's not – obviously, he's not the same – He's not the same shooter as other players might be, so you give him space because it's like, okay, he's so athletic. I want to, I want to give him room so I can react. But it's like with him, once he gets a little bit of momentum, it's like he doesn't even he can blow by you if you if you're too upright. But also, if he gets into your body, you're going to bounce off him, and he's going to have space. Whether you're, you know, six ten Kelly Linick or you're Jay Crowder, so it's almost like a weird thing that like I wonder if it's not get up in him a little bit more and if, if with with a quick player like you know Jalen Brown or something like that and like try and stay with him yeah and I feel like Brown is probably the best and they should never ever try Marcus Smart on him again <laughs> <laughs> like Brown might not be a quote unquote LeBron stopper but no. do not try Marcus Smart anymore he fouled out in 21 minutes yeah or something like that I'll, I'll double check yeah it's 21 minutes. yeah like they 
it's not fair. He's 6'3". Like, you can't guard him with a point guard. You can't guard Kevin Love with a point guard. It doesn't work. And, like, I don't know. It's been really interesting. Something Justin and I were talking about in the last pod is that this has been the trend all year where teams are saying, well, we see what happens when you play Atlanta Hawks-style defense and you help and you recover. Mm-hmm. Is They just shred you. So we have to choose to let LeBron beat us. Yeah. And that's what the Celtics did. Like, they didn't, like, throw a ton of help at him. No. I mean, once he got in the lane, there was there was some of that rotation. But this is said you have to. So you can't you can't give up. Just uh, wide open dunks. Yeah. And, you know, 100%. You know, at least drop it down to 70%. <laughs> yeah. They, like, they don't, they don't have, like, the personnel to even just let LeBron beat them. Like, no, I just think they're screwed. Like, I don't think they have the bodies. I don't think they have the roster construction. That's why it's straight up. Yeah. It is straight up. Like, okay, can you can you make 50% of your threes? Yeah. You- it's such a, like, not sexy way to analyze, but that doesn't make it any less true. Well, what, what is, what's the, like you're saying, like, just bodies in terms of personnel. And the, the hard part is, is I mean, when we, we talked, you kind of mentioned this before we got on, but it's like, it's it. The answer is just you have to go get a Paul George, right? Like, I mean, it's like who out, who out there are you adding? Let's say you had the number one pick, Markel Fultz. Like, well, that doesn't. Well, now we're playing four point guards twenty five <laughs> yeah. minutes a game. Yeah, exactly. Like right now, they're playing three six two or shorter guys. Yeah. Thirty minutes a game, and like so, they get Markel Fultz. That doesn't really. I don't think it moves the needle, even if he's really good. No, just because of the way minutes allotments work. Like, what's your hope that, that you're that much better offensively? Like, he's not going to help. He's not going to help you defensively. There's no way a rookie is coming in and no. improving your offense in a, in a dramatic sense. Especially, like, it's not like, because, like, you know, like, you want to, like, I'll joke about Marcus Smart. He does well in the in the metrics in the lineup data, right? Like, he, like he is a good player for them. Bradley's become a really important player for them. And, obviously, Isaiah is super important for them. So, I don't know where that comes. But, I guess, to me... Obviously, they're going to chase Gordon Hayward because that's the one that they can pick up without losing anything. Back. Yeah, losing any assets. Is there a price once that happens that you wouldn't pay for Paul George or Jimmy Butler? I mean, I in terms know, of draft compensation. Yeah, I mean, I think the difficulty with Paul George is the lack of guarantee that that you're having him for more than. I will die on this hill. There's no way he walks. There's no way. No I, one has ever left. Would leave a team. As talented as that, assuming Gordon Hayward also signs there. No one has ever left a team with that much talent unless they were going to join the Golden State Warriors last summer. Or the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but that was loaded. That's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. way more loaded than Paul He's George. He's going home. He's than, going home yeah. to Los Angeles. Yeah. Then Paul George and is you like, should understand that wearing your home shirt right now. Oh, wow. Home is where the heart is. You can buy that at fearthesword.com. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it just, it just feels like this thing where, like, Sure, like, of course his agent's going to push him to L.A. Because, of course, he wants to go to L.A. But, like, especially, like, with one year, that's a thing that I kind of get a kick out of. Is sometimes I'll talk to some Cavs fans, like, oh, uh, you know, like, Durant's a free agent. Like, if they lose, he might walk. But, like, if you lose when you're on a team that good yeah. in your first year, your reaction is not to walk. It's, let's hurry up and let's go get it. Little dude, I can't believe we blew that. Let's go. Let's go back. So, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, you could say like Kevin Love would be kind of the example of that kind of trade, right? Like the amount of the amount of capital. Had it, yeah. Had it, and by the way, did not have fun his first year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And still, like the pressure is so strong yeah. when you're on a good team. For you to leave to go to a crappy one. Well, what's your and like? What's your what's your selling point? Like, what's your your 
your public announcement that you're doing it like oh i'm coming home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm coming yeah. oh wait they already burned that yeah. <laughs> but i mean like for like kevin love like what, what would be your what would be your rationale you could sit up there in a press conference like i'm excited to win i'm like okay well you just left the team that went to the finals like what are you you know same thing with paul george right like if if hypothetically he were he were to go to the celtics like could you could you go up there could you sit there on the dais in los angeles and be like I mean, I guess it's like I want to build something. I didn't want to be a mercenary, but like, you know, I, I don't. It, I just. It, but you got traded, so you're not a mercenary. The point. The point would be. Yeah. The point would be that it's a chance. Like, not even that. Not even that. Like, okay, and you can't. You know, the only way you do it is if you have that like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, hey, you're coming to the best yeah. possible situation. Like, come here and re up, and then you wait until you. You reach that free agency to actually re-up so it doesn't look like you had the deal in place when you made the trade. I think all, all Danny Ainge needs to do is say, you have a chance to be the third most beloved <laughs> Celtic on the team. <laughs> yeah, right. You have a chance. Because to Gordon Hayward's going to move right up to number one. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, reasons yeah, uh, that have nothing to do with uh, racial uh, issues in Boston. Being not a Boston native, I'm really not the person to talk about that at all. But um, we can make fun of them. <laughs> yeah. And so Gordon, but I don't know, man. I just think that that's like something you get your wink, wink deal and push comes to shove. This is what you get to this point for. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other, the other would you side, give up both? Like if you had a wink, wink deal with Jordan, if you give up Fultz and next year's Brooklyn pick, if you can maintain your core pieces of your roster, AKA don't have to give up Bradley. Yeah, I mean, it's if you're just giving up straight draft assets to bring in, you have to match salary, but it's not. Jordan's only making like 18 million this mm-hmm. year, so it's not actually that hard. I, I hold on, I pulled up. Uh, I think it's like Tyler Zeller. Um, uh, you have to give up Jalen, but like I don't think you really need him at no, that point. Yeah, that's, a, that's fine. Uh, you'd have to give up Jalen, and you would have to give up. Basically Mark is up, smart. Basically yeah. giving up like the number three pick, the number one, the potential for a top three next year. Yeah. And Mark is smart. Yeah. But, I mean, you, that's the reason you drafted 400 point guards. Mm-hmm. You still have Terry Rozier, who's looked competent back there. Yeah, what percentage are you getting out of that? You can, get a, you can steal Avery Bradley minutes at the one, especially if you're going to have that many wings. Because, like, you go from having, like, no really useful wings that you can count on outside of Jay Crowder mm-hmm. to... Hayward, George, and Crowder. The hard part, honestly, and it's so hard to tell. You know, I think internally they probably value Jalen Brown more than than we do. Than we do because they see him and they see his development and see what he's done. And we look at a guy that that you know is playing a relatively limited number of minutes for the number three pick and contributing at a relatively small amount. But I think, like you know, I've seen a lot of people on the flip side talk about how much he's done in that time. And if he was on a different team, like he would be a rookie of the year candidate. And so I think it's, you know, a rookie of the year candidate in one of the worst yeah, right. rookie classes yeah, ever of all time. But it's at the same time, it's, do you say Jalen Brown, the number one pick, AKA Marco Fultz and you know, all the draft cachet next year, is that really the core for the post LeBron era? Or if you bring in Paul George now, can you can you get over that hump? And like you know, on one hand, like I'm all for trying to take advantage of a chance that you're 
maybe 75% of the way there to right now. Plus, you know, you're opening up to variants. Like, let's say Kyrie gets hurt or Kevin Love gets hurt. You know, those things have happened more in the past. Like, that's... I definitely can see why you would want to take advantage of you're so much closer now. I don't think you have to wait out the LeBron era anymore if you have Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Al Horford, Avery Bradley. Yeah. I think that team... I think that team is good enough to make the Cavs. I mean, you hear, I remember David Griffin said something like after the trade deadline, he was doing a podcast and he said something on the lines of like, we were only really getting nervous once we thought that they were going to get George and Butler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that team is now ready. That team has top end talent and they're way deeper than you. No, it's true. When you're adding, you're adding two all NBA players. And, and also worth noting, I remember when they traded, when LeBron came back and then they, there was the consternation of how much they should give up for love. And it was like, well, like part of the deal is to go get love, right? Like yeah. if Gordon Hayward's coming, if you are going to sign Gordon Hayward, who is 27, so entering his basketball prime, mm-hmm. if you tell him, yeah, we are, we're, come sign with us, we're going to be great, we won 50 games last year, and then say, but we are going to leave our options open to kind of just reset. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that doesn't, yeah. that, that's not a great pitch. No, no. Like, they, hey, we might let the player you're probably coming here to play with, Isaiah Thomas, walk so he can yeah. play Markel Fultz, who you probably watched play twice. Well, I, think, I do think that, I think that's fair. And it's like, you're like, by straddling, by trying to straddle both things, you're going to be none of them, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're, you know, are you really maintaining future flexibility? I mean, are developing this, these draft assets, you know, these players that you draft into, the kind of players they can be, and I, I don't know the answer. I mean, it's, and uh, and part of it is like they do have this insane cache of young players that don't play or are overseas. Yeah. Like, you know, sure, you might lose Jalen Brown and Marcus mm-hmm. Smart, but you're going to bring in, you know, Demetrius Jackson, Terry Rozier into the rotation, mm-hmm. and Garshan Yavasetli, yeah, who yeah. is like this, you know, nice draft stash prospect over yeah. in Europe right now. It's like you have all the pieces to do this, and like, what is the point if you don't do it now? Yeah, no, cash in. I mean, you gotta at some point you have to. It's what you weigh, right? Like, yeah. okay, do we jump off? Do, do we commit to one way or another? And what's the optimal time to do that? When is the marketplace? And that's one thing you can say for Danny Ainge is that like over time he's shown that he's really, really freaking good at judging when that that time period is. Like, you know, whether it's going all in for the guys in '08 or you know, even this cash of or jumping off the train when, and you know, whatever, like that's a once in a lifetime trade that they did with Brooklyn. Like that's not replicable. Like someone has to be so dumb to be willing to do that. Uh, you know, maybe we could trade Al Horford for some, you know, for some first round picks, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> for some stupid GM out there. Um, you know, what's Vlad Divac doing? Uh, but you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta pick, you gotta commit one way or another. And if it's getting, if it's, cashing all that in for Paul George like if you're bringing Gordon I mean this is kind of an absurd conversation too right because it's like okay if you can add two all NBA players are you now better than than the team you're chasing and I still don't know if that answer is completely yes yeah but you're now in the I mean it would be like the Cavs turning down adding the payroll to add Kyle Korver to like not chase the Warriors like you're there yeah at that point and like sure you might be it might well, be a sixty forty series or even sixty five thirty five, but yeah. like, dude, come it's on, better than now, come but on, like this is this, this is if you're if you're gonna go like this, you might as well just let Isaiah walk and yeah. start over. No, that's true, and that's, that's and that's a way you wasted it. Yeah. You wasted the, the capital you have. Mm-hmm. 
I guess, I mean, like, not to be, like, you know, I hate being, like, super rings culture here, but, like, same time, like, it is the point. Like, that's yeah, the goal. Chase. And you're here, so, like, what do you, do you want to win, do you want to win 50 games for three seasons and then have sort of a reset or, like, try and go all in and, and get to that promised land? And I think, I mean, I think you got you to gotta do it. And then in 10 years from now, we might have to look back and be like, that was a terrible decision. But at the time, like, yeah, the chances were there. Yeah, but, there. like, to be clear, because sometimes when people talk about this, it's like they talk about it like they're going to do the what Brooklyn did. It's like, no, they're, tra- they're trying to pick up two all-NBA players in their prime. Yeah. And, and they're not even not using their, their own, own picks. Yeah, or like mortgaging yeah. their... Yeah, they're literally... Yeah. It's this surplus of assets that, that the timelines don't match up. Like, the window for Fultz and whoever they get next year, and even Jalen Brown, is, is four years from now. And versus, Al Horford is... Yeah. Isaiah's yeah. is ticking. Like, it's just all... So I don't know. It, it just this is almost if you if you give up way too much for Paul George, you're still doing better than you were before you gave up too much for Paul George. And that's my assets, point. And those assets look so good right now. Like what happens with Paul hits the floor? And think about how much less valuable Jalen Brown is than a third overall pick. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's the thing is that like those there's something so tantalizing about the possibility of of what they have, but the reality of what yeah, those the second are. they're like cars. The second. Yeah. The second you drive off the lot with them, they devalue. So, yeah, I, I, we can go ahead and wrap it up from here. Um, Danny Ainge is an idiot if he doesn't move forward, is what you're saying. <laughs> clearly. And uh, so let's... Uh, and we're already talking about next year, so clearly this, there's not much more to talk about in terms of series we didn't really go through. Uh, let's close things out. Uh, what's your prediction for game two? Uh, I think it's one of two ways. I think, you know... Probably, probably an eighteen point loss. Like realistically, like you know, are they going to be more rested and you know bounce back in a way that they're hitting their shots and that that variance factor goes in their favor? Like, it's really hard to say that there's any reason that that would be the case. So realistically, they lose by fifteen points. Well, hashtag Brad Stevens the God. He <laughs> might have something to say about that. People, uh, people's favorite coach in NBA history. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think there's going to be another loss. I think it is looking like a potential cap sweep here. Uh, but that's about all the time we have. Uh, thanks for listening to the Chase Down. Thank you so much to Michael Cruiser for coming on. Uh, he's a solid producer over at 120 Sports, a senior producer. He's uh, he's hot shit or something. So, uh, so uh, please subscribe uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, however you listen to your podcasts. Uh, leave us a review. That's the best way to help us uh, kind of get our reach out there. Thanks for listening, and go Caps. Go South. Oh, 